Well, hello, folks, and welcome. It is midweek, and it is time for another Between Two Sundays, and I am here with my esteemed colleague, good friend, buddy, pal, Mark Beresford. How are you, my friend? I'm really well. Really happy to be with my esteemed buddy, good pal, good friend, Mark Gladden, actually. Oh, there you go. I know that guy. <laughs> he's pretty... He's all right. He is all right. <laughs> um, so it is... Uh, it is Lent still. Uh, we are still in Lent. Yeah. Um, I really, uh, it's interesting. I was thinking about this today. Lent is so much longer than Advent. And there's something about that. Yes. That I think it's yeah. uh, important. We, we wait four weeks for the, the Christmas nativity and story. We sit around mm. for just over six weeks in Lent, um, which... Yeah. Maybe there's something in that. I don't know. I just think about really interesting. You, it's really interesting you say that, Mark. I find it um, probably harder to enter into Advent than I do to Lent, partly because those four weeks of December are just madness, you know, the way we do it, the way our society does it. Yeah. It's really packed time of year, isn't it? And, it, um, you know, if you're going to reflect and learn through a season like that it has to be very very deliberate yeah absolutely um, and I, I would suggest that lent is probably more deliberate um in that it asks for disciplines and you know yep. choices to be made at the beginning and a little bit longer so um my gut feeling is we probably get more out of lent nice gut <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> So last week, uh, we had our readings from Joshua, from Psalm 32, uh, from 2 Corinthians, and from Luke. And um, we spent a lot of time chewing around mm. some of those. I think the thing that stuck most with me, mate, was, um, you know, the, the story that we, the, the discussion we had out of Joshua, particularly, where, you know, while Israel was in the desert, um, you know, they literally had food falling from the sky. Um, manna fell yeah. from the sky, quail fell from the sky. Uh, but as soon as they entered the promised land, this is the land that's been promised to them, but the falling from the sky stuff ceases. And it's almost like I've really been reflecting on about our participation in creation and our participation in the work of God in the world, which... Uh, you know, I, I, I guess that's a lot of what we spend thinking, we should be a lot of what we spend our time thinking about in the season of Lent. But, but th that story particularly drew that out of me. That and um, spending time reflecting on the older brother's story in the, the gospel and the, the parable of the prodigal son, uh, the one that we don't spend a lot of time in. And I must admit, every time I read that story, I spend a lot of time with that particular son as that particular son in the story um, thinking about well here i am enjoying the blessings of being and hear me right it's not that you know i'm i'm blessed and someone else doesn't have something i think that when i talk about blessings i mean the blessing of understanding and realizing that i have this connection with the divine that i participate in the activity of god in the world that i uh have this sense of about me that I've been blessed with to see and understand where God is in the way that we go about doing things. Um, and it's important that I live my life in a way that shares those blessings with others, that helps others see the divine, that's helped others encounter the Christ of creation in the world, that helps other people engage with God. Um, so there's this participation aspect, I suppose, that I've been really sitting with uh, over the mm. last week since we last chatted and um, really thinking about what that participation looks like. I don't think it can be pat anymore. I don't think it can be just joining into activities and programs. I think there's a far more intentional lifestyle shift that I need to engage in and make this a part, a conscious part of how I live into every day. Um, so that's, that's, what I drew out of our nice long conversation <laughs> from last week. I mean, 
50 odd minutes of stuff that you can draw yeah, yeah. from um i suppose but what about yourself man is there anything that's really stuck stuck with you you know not just out of the readings but out of um a number of conversations um some circumstances around my family this week um new beginnings and and the challenges of them mm. um, is actually sort of the theme that well the place that my mind has gone um over the last um, the last week just realizing that you know while there's there's a tremendous sense of hope in this idea that um things might be starting again um there's always that older brother who is you know <laughs> i just want things to stay the same yeah um, and, and there's often a there's often a um a very deep uncertainty as we move into new seasons. Um, while we may be tempted to, and I think I probably have, you know, you know been tempted to, um, to emphasise the hope of new beginnings, um, there's actually a, a, a deep uncertainty that comes along with that. Change is rarely easy. Mm. Um, and I've, I'm surprised how many people um, over the last week I've actually run into who are, who are in a season like this, um, you, know, you know, within my family, beyond my family, within the church, beyond the church. Um, there's actually a, n- a number of people who've been saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving with a sense of fear, maybe even with a sense of inevitability into a new season, but it's not making me brim with hope. I would like this to turn out well, but um, there's something that scares me about it. And I I wonder if that's helped me relate a little bit to the older brother in that wonderful story Jesus told, Mm. where where we do emphasize the, um, the younger brother so quickly, but that older brother who is, uh, you know, has kind of got used to things without the young, his younger brother there and um, perhaps is left a little bit uncertain about, you know, why is, why is dad behaving this way? Um, what am I going to lose here? Am I going to yeah. lose even? Um, yeah. I, I think I hope it's I, I hope reflecting both on you know the, the conversations I've had this week but also on those readings might make me just a little bit more sensitive to the changes people encounter and how unsettling that can be. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that um, that point that we discussed last week that you know in, in celebrating with the younger son, it's the older brother's inheritance that was being spent it was his cow it was his ring it yeah, was his road that's it was right. his that's um and his reaction yeah. to it so that's a really good yeah. reflection point there too that's really good well <sighs> that was lent four <laughs> we're booming <laughs> through lent and we're banging into lent four well you can always go back and listen to the episode they're always sitting there with that you can go back and listen to them anytime and um if you and it's interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a start of our show where we discussed last week, and I'm going to go under. I need to go listen to what we talked about again. Um, this might be yeah. one of those weeks, I sense. But anyway, maybe. Maybe. Um, so uh, Lent five, fifth week of Lent, uh, fifth Sunday of Lent, and our readings for this week are Psalm 43, verses 16 to 21, Psalm 126. Uh, sorry, did I say Psalm or Isaiah at the start there? It's Isaiah 43, verse 16 to 21. Isaiah 43, yep. Psalm 126, Philippians 3, verses 3 to 14. And then John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. All of those are in the show notes, which are just below you if you're on YouTube or back on the other screen if you're watching or listening rather on Spotify or any of our um, podcast hosting areas that we happen to be on. Hmm. Um, So... So, yeah, I don't know where you want to start, if you wanted to start anywhere. I'm going to be honest and say that I spent a lot of time in the gospel. Um, I, I was about to place money on that. 
Well, it's John <laughs> for a start. And you know that while Mark used to be my favorite gospel, John sort of snuck ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks to his deep. You're, mystical... you're clearly you're clearly much more spiritual than me. I tell you what really went down for me. This is this is this is what happened. This is why I spent a lot of time in John. First of all, this is a really really well known story where um, Mary Bla breaks the flask of perfume over Jesus' feet, essentially um, anointing him for his burial and death before it's even happening. It's kind of a foreshadowing, I suppose, mm. of of what's to come. Um, and it's interesting that in that time. You know, she breaks that flask on his feet and Judas reacts in a negative way, saying, you know, if we'd sold that, we could have, you know, used the money to give to the poor. And John mm. takes the time to point out <laughs> that Judas wasn't saying that because he cared about the poor. He's saying that because he wanted to pocket some of the dosh, um, yeah, which, yeah. which is interesting. But then, you know, Jesus says to him, no, leave her be, let it go. And, and there was... Something really, uh, I guess, important that I've never noticed before that seemed to come out of the story. This is um, an incredibly public display of affection. I mean, this is happening now. We this is happening inside the, a house, but remember that when someone of the stature of Lazarus was having a meal with someone of the stature of a rabbi like Jesus. Um, it was quite common in those days that one of the things you'd do after dinner is you'd go for a walk and see who was eating dinner with who. And a lot of the time, while things took place in a house, it was done in a way where people could literally watch uh, and observe and be an audience, if you like, to what was going on. So it wouldn't surprise me if there were people watching this happening. Um, and at the very least, even if they weren't, Mary would have known that someone could have rocked up to have a good look at what was going on any time. A, a well-known rabbi and a very esteemed man in the community were having a meal together. Someone was likely to come up and have a look. And yet, despite the public setup of this thing, she takes the time to do this very, this, this display of affection and love, which is incredibly intimate. Um, you know, and, and so you have... Uh, I'm just pulling the gospel up here as we speak. You, you have this happening and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, she's, she's spilled this perfume on his feet and she's wiping them with her hair, which is also a very sensual act um, very there. So yeah. there's this sensuality and intimacy here, this, 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 uh, this love that's being displayed from Mary towards, towards Jesus. And, and what really dawned on me was the, um, the, the publicness of this whole scenario, that it was not a hidden thing. And it's interesting that, mm -hmm. you know, love in our world today, unless there's something that can be gained from declaring it, is a very private act. Um, we've, we've kind of in some ways... Um, commodified love so that it becomes this uh, yeah this, this very private um, intimate thing that we don't share uh, with other people very much um, you know the, the isolation particularly um, that we've seen happen, you know, even before COVID, there was, you know, a lot of people were a lot more isolated, a lot more lonely people. Um, and so you have this privatization of relationship, um, this privatization of things that's going on. And yet this is a very public display of private affection. And it's, it's easy to look at this and see the reaction of Judas and say, well, is Judas saying, you know, it would have been right for us even if, forget the Judas wanted the money, it would be easy to go, well, Judas was right. It would be better to sell this, give the money to the poor or, you know, help some widows or orphans or whatever else we want to do with these funds. She's wasted this in this act. But what's incredibly poignant about it is that she's actually 
doing what's expected of a disciple in that moment. That it's uh, not just expected, but accepted, not mm. by, by Jesus, but by others who are in the room. Lazarus doesn't say anything. The only person who seems to have objected is Judas. Um, so there's, there's this, uh, this giving of this love, which is an act of discipleship. Um, and so much so that Judas seems to have lost the plot a little bit on what it means to be a disciple. Um, he would say, even again, forget about the money issue. He would say the right thing for us to do as disciples and followers of Jesus is to sell this and give the money to the poor. Jesus seems to indicate that an extravagant act of love is a, a, a legitimate act of, of love and affection from the disciple towards um, a master, a teacher, a rabbi. So that really stood out, um, thinking about, first of all, the public display that this affection is, but also thinking about the acceptability of it and what that says about my actions, not in judging my actions, but I guess in looking at what they uh, say about my relationship with Jesus and whether they are intentional intentional actions of a disciple, that my actions are out of love for the rabbi as opposed to out of servitude to his words alone, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Um, so that's, I'm going to kick it, the ball back to you for a moment and just sit on this mm. for a second, but that's that's where I've uh, started yeah, really I really like where you've where you've started there. There is, um, and this is one of those, uh, you know, this is one of those passages where Jesus defends um, the, the poetry or, or the beauty mm. or the symbolism um, of someone else. And and make no mistake, this symbolism is very very significant. Um, so, so there are a couple of things here that indicate, I think, that um, that this is the Lamb of God. Okay, so six days before the Passover, when all the lambs were executed, um, they 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 would remember they needed a pure lamb, so they would actually anoint with oil the feet. Of the lamb six days before, two days before they would anoint the head of the lamb. So there's there's other echoes of this story in other gospels that talk two days and the head. In John here we have six days and the feet. This this indicates um, Jesus is ready to face death. Um, so there's this symbol symbol here at the beginning of this story that's quite that's given quite apart from Mary, really, or, or the, the timing um, uh, should, should make us, well, would make certainly make the Jewish mind think um, there's something very significant going on here. Um, the other thing that, that really strikes me about this story is, is we, are, we are in the midst of... Um, the journey of the disciples to, 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 I mean, Jesus has been saying over and over again, I'm going to suffer, die and rise again. No one has got this. No one in this story has understood it except Mary. Mm. Um, mm. She, she has, she has, I, I look on some level, she has gone out, she has, purchased, you know, found the money, purchased this ointment, and she is probably the only person in this story so far, maybe the only one who does it at all, who is preparing for Jesus' prophecy to come true. 
And I find that breathtaking. Mm. Honestly, all the men, well, Judas here, who's, you know, worried about the poor. Um, now, I'm all for worrying about poor, and quite frankly, the Gospels and the New Testament are all for it as well. So this is a terribly abused passage when it comes to, you know, we'll always have the poor amongst us. We can spend our money however we want, um, which, quite frankly, this passage has been abused in, the, in that direction. Um, it's terrible, alarmingly selective. The New Testament is radically, radically for the poor and for generosity. Um, so very sad to see that used in this direction. But, you know, <laughs> as far as I can see, Mary is the only one who has listened to Jesus' teaching that he is going to suffer, die and rise again. And not only does it seem that she's the only one to listen to that, she is the only one to act on it. And I think that's, that is so beautiful. That um, number one, that she's a woman whose, whose life in these times has taught her humility, whether she's liked it or not. <laughs> and I'm not justifying that, but, you know, she comes out of this, um, this, this very powerless kind of space. And here she puts all the power she has in the direction of, well, if Jesus said it, I'm going to act on it. Um, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't want it to happen. Um, <laughs> she seems to me to be the only one who's heard it. Jumping out of this reading a little bit, just for a moment, is it any wonder then that she is the first person after the resurrection commissioned to go and preach? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, yes. She gets it. And that's why. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And just how, um, you know, I hear, hear people, um, you know, arguing that, uh, you, you know, there, there seems to be almost a tradition, which is slightly alarming, really, in, in the Gospels of um, highlighting the men seeing the resurrected Jesus. But still in these stories, it's the women who see first. Yep. It's the women who are there responding to the reality. They're, they're filled with as many doubts as anyone, of course. Um, but But they are the ones who see first there's this really special place for these women in this story um and, and it really is it really is very radical and of course evidence that um the gospels are are pretty true to what happened they're trying to stick with what happened because you wouldn't you just wouldn't in this culture um found the evidence for the resurrection on a woman, yeah. on a woman's testimony, if, if you were trying to convince people of this, um, you know, within the culture. Uh, this is, it's such a, it, it seems to me to be such, um, to, to be one of those moments that really points to the genuineness of this story, that they're as amazed as anyone else. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you just wouldn't write it this way. <laughs> if you're making it up, you just wouldn't write it this way. Exactly. And, and I, think, I think this story that we're looking at this week is another one of those stories. If you were, if you were writing this to convince the culture and, you know, you were, you were inventing this, you wouldn't have... Mary as the one who saw, who heard what Jesus was saying first, who responded to it first. You'd make Peter one of those heroes or, or John one of those heroes. Um, but, but the Gospels aren't like that. They're, they're so, so upside down and throwing us off balance, challenging to our cultures. cultures. You can, and you can see why. Um, you know, in the, in the Western world that is, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, founded 
on these stories, um, you do end up with movements that say, actually, there's a, there's a place for all of us at God's table. Um, we're going to fight for equality for men and women, for uh, those who are in the main culture and those who are out of it. Um, there is this beautiful story that says we all matter. Hmm. Hmm. And it's a very vulnerable act on her part. Um, not just vulnerable. Not just because it was public, yeah. but also yeah. because she is a woman. Um, yeah. She pulled her hair out. This is all stuff that's incredibly provocative in terms of how people would have reacted to yeah. it and, and since it's there. But what's really interesting, and again, outside of the readings for this week, but of course, mm. like good preachers, we always read around her, right? Um, <laughs> something that I'd never noted before. Just after our reading finishes for the week in verse 8, in verse 9 and 10 and 11, we're told that, uh, I'll read it, when a great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, well, there you go. Here, they, here comes the crowd that I was talking about. They, they are there. Um, not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, yeah, yeah. whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So you got this prominent man in the community who they know has been raised from the dead. Jesus is there, and they're like, let's go check it out. They rock up. They see this woman on the floor, expensive bottle of perfume, cracked open, hair down, rubbing his feet, highly provocative in a sexual way uh, in that community. And then verse 10, so the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well. Since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were believe were, de were deserting, and were believing in Jesus, yeah. so 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 here's this meal that's happening. You've got Mary, who's uh, cracking open expensive bottles of perfume and letting her hair drop and anointing Jesus and getting it and showing this very intimate and public display of affection. Then you've got Lazarus who has a little bit of fame because he's the dude that was dead and now he's not. The guy that raised him from the dead is there with him. Uh, but it's interesting. John states quite emphatically, it's because of that that Lazarus was in line to be uh, put to death as well. Yeah. Now, and I totally missed that in the past, but th there it is again. This, you know, Mary is in danger of being stoned for what she's doing. Uh, she's coming very close to the line if she hasn't crossed it. Um, here's Lazarus, who may or may not know, but out of the very fact that he's associating with Jesus, it's not his fault that Jesus resurrected him. Um, and yet the chief priests are going, we need to knock this guy off because we're losing our own followers. Um, understanding, of course, that the, the chief priests um, that we're talking about here were for a particular sect of Judaism. This is not all Jews. This is not a, a blight on Jews. This is not sure. anti-Semitic in its statement. Um, although, you know, the way it's translated in English could probably use better terminology. Um, but this is some people who have become very, very fragile in their position of things because people are starting to listen to the teaching of Jesus out of the... Um, uh, the testimony of the fact that Lazarus is, is listening. And so they go, not only do we have to kill Jesus, we're going to have to knock Lazarus off too, which made me think about, well, am I prepared like Mary and like Lazarus to be put in a position where um, I could be maligned? I, I don't think being a white male in the world that I'm in, that I have much danger of persecution um, in the way that so many other people, um, you know, because of their sexuality, because they're women, because of their, their race and culture, um, I don't have those. I'm certainly not going to say that I have those issues. Those people have it way worse and are far more persecuted than I will ever be um, without even trying. But I do ask myself, do I, am I, would I be willing to put myself in a position where I could be misunderstood, where I could be um, told you're a heretic, 
happens all the time anyway, uh, where I could be um, shoved to the side, where I could be told, um, you know, we're going to put you on the fringes. We don't want to associate with you. Excommunication, whatever that means, not from necessarily from a church or maybe from a church, maybe from a group of people, uh, lose my job uh, because of standing up for truth. Um, am I prepared for that? Am I prepared to do that? Because he was a man and a woman who were prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in this time of Lent where we're thinking about what it was that Jesus was willing to suffer for truth, um, you know, let, let's face it, Jesus stood for truth. He stood for what it really meant to encounter God, to be at one with the divine, to walk in the presence of God in the world and was saying to people, you have access to that. You have the ability to connect with that. The kingdom of God's within you. It's among you. It's around you. It's with you. Um, You don't have to do all this other stuff that you've been on about. It's, it's simply, you can be who you've been created to be and in whose image you've created to be. Um, They were willing to kill him for that. Mm. Uh, Sorry. uh, Lazarus was willing was it putting himself on the line simply by playing party to that? Mary was being put in a predicament, a, a predicated position, anyway, uh, because <laughs> of, of what could have happened to her out of showing her love and affection for understanding mm-hmm. and getting that, if you've pointed out. Um, where do I sit in all of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an incredibly powerful story with so much depth uh i guess particularly based on you know what we were sharing before that we bring from last week that idea of if i'm participating in god's work in the world it's a very public display not to be showy and not to say hey look at me aren't i wonderful but the simple act of you know i remember as simple as it sounds you know i think it was shane claiborne in philly they took pizzas to a whole bunch of homeless people who were living in the skate park or near the skate park where they live in Philadelphia. And the police arrested them because it's illegal or the mayor or something like that had made it illegal to feed people who were on the street, to to buy food and take it to people who were on the street was an illegal act. And they were all arrested, every single last one of them. They all had to go to court. In the end, the judge threw it out. which is a whole other story, but, um, you know, wow. I, I, would, would I be prepared to do what should, shouldn't be a radical act of love, but certainly in our world today would be deemed that, would I be willing to be snided at because I bothered to sit on the steps with a homeless guy and have a cup of coffee? Um, and I, and I'd, I'd like to think that I am, and I'd like to think my past actions show that I am, but I always need to question that because I'm sure there's times when I've gone, now's not the time for this, not because it was the wrong time, but because it would have put me in a, a Lazarus Mary type position. Mm. Um, oh, I wonder, you know, um, both, both these characters, Lazarus and Mary, um, the, way the, the way the story's told, um, I find myself thinking, you know, Lazarus is just giving his testimony. He's just telling what happened. Um, I, I think he's amazed and most as amazed and baffled by it as anyone else. Um, and, and, and certainly everyone is. The, the description here is miracle. Um, that, that's sort of or, or sign in, in the Gospel of John. Um, that's the terminology being used here. Um, I, I think they've. Um, I, I think Lazarus has just been pointed in this direction. I think Mary has read the signs, listened to what Jesus is saying, and you, you know she is overcome with grief. And there's there's something in me that thinks neither of these people are doing this to get in trouble. Um, no. They're not. It's not a radical, yeah. It's not like the fear has, I I don't think the fear has even clicked in. They may not even be aware of the danger. What they're doing is they're responding to God's grace. Yeah. 
and and, and this is this is open they don't want to hide this they're just responding and i i think wherever there's persecution here it's kind of uh, it's secondary it, it's it's the result of them being faithful um, rather than something they're um, planning for necessarily or 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 thinking you, you know if i say this this will happen i don't think it's quite as um, figured out as that yeah I think, I think it's a little bit more um spontaneous and certainly certainly mary's display as we've talked about here um if it is the case that she's the only one who's been listening um you know i think she's filled with grief already oh Just yeah at the, at the thought of this one not being around which which actually is found in the other readings so in in the philippians reading philippians 3 verses uh 4 to 14 we yeah. have Paul saying, I want to know Christ in verse 10 and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings mm. by becoming like him in his death. Um, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. Um, so here's this participation with again, um, but it's a participation in suffering. Uh, you know, at the end of the psalm, which is that, you know, that famous bringing in the sheaves. Um, but when you read that psalm, and this psalm is, um, uh, is in uh, the, I think it's the terse office in the traditional Benedictine, um, yeah. uh, the office, yeah. the third, third hour prayer at, at mid-morning. Uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Um, so they've had their fortunes restored. But then verse 5, may those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheep. So there is joy, but tears come first. Mm. Uh, is, it, um, is it Isaiah? Um, tears endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So, you know, we do have this time of, of identifying, and it's not identifying out of oh, Jesus is, you know, the person I'm following, so I'm going to identify, I'm going to experience what he experienced just so I can say, hey, I know, I, I get what it means. I think it's much more deep than that. I think, you know, participating in the suffering means participating in his passion and when I say his passion, I'm not just talking about carrying a cross up the hill and being nailed to it. I'm talking about his, you know, when we talk about a passion, we're talking about something we love, something that we're passionate about, that we want to do. And Jesus' passion was that people would love God and love their neighbor as they love themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so we participate in the suffering by participating in that passion with Jesus by helping people understand who God is, where they can connect with God and how they can connect with God. So they too can love God and love their neighbor. Uh, I love where you've taken that, Mark. And I think there's a bit of a circle happening here. Um, yeah. Passion, passion, of course, is are those things you're willing to suffer for. Yeah. That's what it originally means. So you can see how um, Jesus suffering, death and resurrection was called the passion of Christ. Um, you know, this is what Jesus is willing to suffer for. But, you know, um, maybe maybe this is the kind of language that can be helpful in our discussion before around Lazarus and Mary as well. Um, Lazarus wants to tell his testimony, and he's, he just seems to be willing to suffer for this. This is important enough. Mm. Um, I'm not going out looking for suffering. I'm not going out looking for bad things to happen for, for me but this truth this reality is is worth sharing yeah and mary's mary's doing the same thing here she is she is responding to what she is hearing from jesus unlike anyone else and she is willing to go on public record so to speak as one who has listened and is taking it seriously um and, uh, and, you know, 
who knows what happens from here for her. Um, but she's going to she is going to show that she has heard and is responding with grief even before it happens. Yeah. Um, this, this is another instance of passion. Um, what am I willing to take the risk for? This is important enough for her. She will, she will make this public act and she'll take the risk of this. I think it's there's, important. So I go, go, you go. I was just going to say there's, um, you know, we've said so in tears and, and weeping from that psalm there. Um, this, is, this is so clearly in the gospel reading mm. for this week. We so clearly have one who, is, um, who is, is weeping over what she has. And from the Isaiah reading, it, it's what she's perceived. Um, this beautiful question that sits in the middle of this Isaiah reading, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Um, I, I want to argue that Mary has perceived it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has seen something everyone else has missed. Um, and, and understandably, I mean, you know, Jesus is famous. He's popular. Everyone loves him. He walks around with the guy next to him who he raised from the dead. You know, how could things possibly go wrong? But this is so, this is so new. Um, how could things possibly go in the direction of Jesus suffering, dying and rising again? Yet Mary perceives it and it might cost her tears before anyone else. Um, but there is something wonderful about the faith that she displays as she breaks this perfume and enacts what everyone else has refused to even hear. Yeah. I think, I think what I was going to say, and which brings me to that very point, it's not as if, as you mentioned before, Lazarus and Mary have gone out of their way to get into trouble. Um, yeah. On the contrary, all they're doing is what they know is right in responding to this truth that they've become aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's what I was talking about before. Um, mm. I, I wasn't talking about these radical showy acts of, oh, well, you know, the law yeah, says yeah. this, so we're going to go out there and rah, rah, rah. You know, um, I'm, I'm talking about, well, if we're going to respond in truth, look, if the law says don't feed someone and someone's hungry, I'll slip them a burger. Um, sure. And it certainly yeah. wasn't a case of um, the guys yeah, from Simple Way. It's not a case of Simple trying Way. to get No, the guys from Simple Way weren't trying to get thrown in jail. No, of course um, not. And, in fact, if I understand the story right, they might have known, may not have known that it would have resulted in, an, the, way, in it the way that they thought it would. They were simply doing what they thought was right. Um, there was no fanfare. There was no um, ringing up the media. There was no public statements. It was simply gone past the pizza shop, we'll buy some pizzas, drop them to the homeless people, and the police happened to show up. So, yeah, uh, and, yeah. I, and, and that's and I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about how do I respond to truth? And when I respond to truth, am I going to double guess myself, or am I going to do what I know is right and proper? Um, even though it might result in a reaction that's not favourable because it's not, that's not what I'm doing it for. It's kind of like, it reminds me too about, you know, that story when David comes back from battle and starts dancing and he dances so hard his clothes come off. Um, mm. it, it's kind of like that. David didn't go out and dance to be showy. David didn't dance to get naked. David danced because he was passionate about what God had done um, just so happened that his clothes weren't fastened well enough to hold everything on um, <laughs> but you know and he, he obviously got to be yeah. chastised for that and so on but you know it's, it's kind of like that it's like you know I'm, I'm going to do the That's right a thing funny story yeah it's a funny story and, and, and this is where you know this is where the whole Judas versus Mary thing Judas was trying to be a stickler to the letter of the law Mary was responding out of a pure move that came from her innards, mm. a, a complete move of passion and love and, and joy and yet um, grieving that, that she mm. had to do that. She had to do that. Um, you know, there was no showiness in it. It was simply, I've, I've got to. 
And so, yeah, we've got this really, really interesting thing to ponder about our responses and how we move out of out of truth and what that mm. means. Mm. What a powerful, powerful story. Yeah, yeah, I like all that. It's there's, so good. There's, um, there's something I... I really want to say there's there's power in tears here. Yeah. Um, I really want to. I really want to affirm this as a um, as a good, deeply, deeply human, yet well, and as a result, radically spiritual act on her part. Um, she's she's in a world where no one no one else has listened mm. um, and yet she's willing to engage at, at the very deepest level of who she is with what she has heard um, and it's 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 beautiful and I think I, I think that there's a persecution element here that really that, that really is just misunderstanding um, she's just she is she is seeing the path Jesus is taking, perhaps not understanding it fully, but she is understanding it much more than Judas and perhaps some of the other disciples around her. Yeah. Um, and, and as a result of seeing something everyone else struggles to, she's found herself, you know, we can call this persecuted, but we can also say that. Mary is just what what the kingdom of God has opened up to her is not seen by others, and she, so she looks strange at this point. She looks a little mm -hmm. bit odd. She looks a little bit like maybe unhinged, even. Um, and I wonder if I wonder if this somehow helps us understand persecution. Um, what if it is that that for some reason we are able to see the kingdom of God and others are yet to? And and maybe that's where this you know this sense of of Christians being misunderstood is a better way of talking about it than that we're yeah. you know we're we're persecuted for no reason. We're actually, we are actually, you know, when I read the Gospels, I find myself thinking this is, a, this is God in human form performing life out of perfect love in an unloving world and asking us to begin to perform out of perfect love in an unloving world as well. So this is so so you know in a in a kind of a nutshell here in this gospel reading, Mary is performing out of love, and others don't understand it. And that should come as no surprise to us. Yeah. This is the story of Easter, that God comes in perfect, perfect love willing to suffer for this love but the context is an unloving world and and the result is we take out perfect love we, we go and attack it it's that threatening to humanity and of course yeah. the resurrection really is not you know it's not jesus coming back and hey i'm stronger than you uh, you know this this is me mark two and i'm going to take you out this is this is god's absolute grace and miracle always sustaining life always going for resurrection saying but even where you take this path i'm not going to take revenge i'm going to offer life through it yeah it is this 
completely, completely different story, which I probably say every Wednesday evening. Um, but this story is so, so different to any of the stories we dare tell about us and the meaning of life. It is so, so different, which is why I think it takes a lifetime of lengths to actually begin to grasp how different this story is that you and I are learning to live by. So much to chew this week. Boy, oh boy. Length yeah. five. Length five. Length well, five friends, done. <laughs> well, I don't think it is. I think it's hanging around it's for a little done. bit. No, that's <laughs> it. That's it. As always, you can find uh, articles over at Mark's um, blog, barefootfollower.life. You can find the Instagram posts. Um, please uh, watch the YouTube video if you want to as well. It's exactly the same as what you just listened to or listen to the podcast. It's exactly the same as what you just watched. Uh, but we'd love for you to put your comments um, on all those places and tell us how you've seen these stories, how you're sharing these stories, how you're preaching these stories, and, of course, how you're living into these stories as you come out of each Sunday. Uh, so we will see you again next week for Lent six the sixth sunday in lent getting very close to easter it's coming up super super fast um but please uh make sure that uh you're having conversation with us because we love to have the conversation with you and certainly yeah. appreciate uh the court thoughts and comments and things that come through in direct messages and comments and emails and stuff uh, over the last 14 or 15 weeks or whatever it's been i can't remember now um, We've been going for a little while. Been going for a little while. That's it. So there you go. That's Lent five. Bless you all. Thank you for your time, Mark, tonight. Oh, thank you, Mark. Great to talk once again. Always is. And as always, we'll see you next Wednesday for another Between Two Sundays. Until then, it's bye from us. See you later. See ya. <laughs>